0: I clutched my pearls the whole time I read this book. <laughs> I'm like, Push. I was on the edge of my seat, I leaned forward. Five stars, baby. Welcome to
1: Books in the City Pod. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome back to Books in the City. I'm Kayla.
0: I'm Becky. I'm Emily. I'm Libby.
1: And we are four friends who met in a book club. And now we're here today to chat
2: about books. Yeah. Woo. We have sushi and we're good. Yeah. And we're ready.
0: We took some bad Polaroid selfies. Yeah. <laughs>
2: by <laughs> the park. Um, No crazy announcements, but keep an eye out for merch. And everybody come to my book club on June 1st to talk about the cartographers. Yay. Woohoo go we should just dive right into the fishbowl it's almost summertime let's swim with them
0: <laughs> uh, get your snorkels ready because the fish want to know how many tattoos do you have and are you planning any others
1: it's interesting how we're sitting right now because one half of the room has tattoos <laughs> and the other half doesn't uh, yeah on He guesses <laughs> on one side of the table
0: they're they're tatted and on the other side they are not <laughs>
2: Well, I have five, Uh, and as far as planning, I still want to get a little microphone tattoo with the four of you. I mean, the four of you, the three of you, the four of us.
3: It's gonna be probably the two of us.
2: Yeah,
1: I will go and get like a necklace that Uh, I can just wear (laughs) from. Like, I'll order her necklace online, and that will be my way of participating. Uh. (laughs) permanent
0: necklace. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, what are do, have you talked about all your tattoos or like where they are?
2: They're all on my arms. I don't want tattoos anywhere but my arms for some reason. I but I just know that. Um, I have a seashell that I got in Hawaii. I have an anchor that's a matching tattoo with my sister. Um, I have a peony and I have an ampersand on my wrist. Oh, the peonies on my arm, like forearm and an ampersand on my wrist is that five
1: and you're a woman
2: uh, oh yeah i always forget about her
0: christina
2: i have a um she has a name no oh no <laughs> but if you guys want to come up with one that's fine um, <laughs> that's my favorite of yours like a she's um 20s doll no. she's 20s like a lady yeah like a lady just a classy lady with a, a fur glamorous coat. woman i don't know i've always kind of wanted that <laughs> so
3: Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> yeah She's smoking a cigarette, which, much to the chagrin of my family, that she's smoking a cigarette, <laughs> but it's for the glamour of it all, okay? She has like the wisps of smoke, like, are so cool. So,
3: yeah, it looks good. Um, yeah, so I also have tattoos. Libby, this is Libby.
2: I have
3: eight now. Wow. Mm-hmm. Is that correct?
0: Are you gonna go to the double digits?
3: I have an appointment. Wednesday don't my parents don't know how to listen to
0: podcasts so good thing but (laughs) yeah I just really like
3: them I don't know they're all on my left arm except one which is on my right pinky which was the first one I ever got when I turned 18 um and then I didn't get one for years and years and years and then no I went overboard probably but yeah I just like them I don't know same let's all go tonight <laughs> no. what are you up to <laughs> let's go yeah i don't know so far they're all in my arm but for some reason like the beh- behind and above the knee i'm like it'd be cool to get like something little there
0: i guess you put but, like a smiley face on your knee or something
3: it's so funny because somebody <laughs> i was just listening to a podcast this week and the guest i was like what's this person look like and then i google or went to their instagram and they had a smiley face just like middle Center of the thigh, and I was like, "Okay, that's fun." But I already have a smiley face, but maybe All I could have two. Yeah, mm. yeah.
1: I love your smiley face. You too. Yeah, you
0: have cute ones.
3: Yeah, two of mine are three of mine are straight from like cards slash notes slash my brother's like science research stencils. I, I'm not saying that right, but two of them are like in my parents' handwriting, and then one is my brother's. They're just fun. Yeah. no, I like them. Which one's your favorite? Oh, so hard to pick. I really love the... I have like a cluster of um, punctuation marks on my like inner Forum. forearm. Yeah. I like those. I like the water. I like... I don't... Know. I like them all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what are you getting on Wednesday? <sighs> I'll
3: just tell you off the pod. Okay. Off the air. Or um. I mean, I could... It's like a person who does repeat flash and i just like their style it's like different it's a very like informal booking process just through like instagram dms so i'm gonna go it seems like a lot of her appointments people walk out with like two or three so i'm wondering if she has one of those like like little they're little hers are all very small Mm. so i don't know she has a flash book and there's one that's like a tree and a person like standing like this and then long like shadows oh cool which Mm. i think looks really cool so probably that and then if it's some kind of like two for something deal then i might get something else game time decision oh my god she has i should show you guys a really cute design of like a girl laying on her stomach reading Uh. but just very like lines you know it's not
2: Mm. yeah
3: detailed outline but
2: yeah um, yeah I don't know. what about you, you
3: guys get... oh sorry
1: I don't have any I will never get any and it's like I love tattoos on other people I am very attracted to men with tattoos <laughs> but I always find this so interesting both of my parents are from families with six kids and both of my parents are the only ones that don't have tattoos even my grandparents had tattoos my grandma was getting tattoos until the day she died like
0: really? yeah
1: yeah her and my sister were like bonding like oh, months what? before she died about her tattoo she was getting though without telling all my like my dad and my uncles <laughs> like, oh my god I like just that. texting my sister like no one knows i got this what would you get like she was getting a lot of like well my aunt died so obviously losing her daughter she was getting like butterflies were her thing for her so she got like a lot of butterflies and like forget me nots and like oh, memorial no. things for her um but it was it it was my mom's like against them and the fact that when my sister gets a tattoo my mom will yell at me to get the message to her and not talk to her in air quotes which is really my sister's like I don't care like I'm still gonna get tattoos she makes like a fake big fuss every time Mm. but it was just never something that I thought about growing up and I never like took it seriously but then in college while my friends were getting tattoos I went through that phase of like okay, what would I get? And for a lot of years, I was going to get a triangle like on the outside side Mm. of my wrist. And then finally, one day I was with my sister and my best friend and my sister was getting a tattoo. And it was my first time actually in a tattoo parlor. And I was standing in there and I was like, I'm never getting a tattoo. (laughs) 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 Like I was finally done pretending that it was a thing I was entertaining because I just like the permanence of it really freaks me out. And if something was like wrong or if it wasn't perfectly straight or something like I have OCD and it would ruin my life like I couldn't I could not handle that so
2: mm. my anchor is messed up my anchor tattoo is it's, like that mm. would kill me and I think part of it was the artist like went really deep when he was doing it the other thing is, is this is when it was healing this is my idiot self I went to a boxing class <laughs> and it was I didn't think it would like the gloves would be up against it oh, but no. I think it was and so every time I freaking punched the bag <laughs> I think it was like scraping my healing tattoo and I so it's a combination of why it looks the way it does it looks like Wait, it didn't heal right but up? everybody who sees it is like oh it just looks like a weathered anchor and I'm like okay but no it doesn't basically when it was healing it scarred mm-hmm. uh, so
1: yeah my sister has one that didn't heal well and she's like whatever Like, it's messed up. It looks bad. And I'm like, whatever. (laughs) That's on your arm now for the rest of time. Like, I'm just not that chill. I can't get over that.
2: Yeah. I I will say some days I literally am like, I hate them all. And then some days I'm like, I absolutely love them. And it's not like on those days where I hate them, I'm thinking I wish I didn't get them. It's just like certain days, certain outfits, I'm like, oh, this would look a lot better if I didn't have tattoos. And I think part of it is because they're very much like not complete, like a, what's the word? Like a full. Composition. Yeah. Like my arm, I think my one arm feels a little bit like unfinished. I feel like I need to get one more nearby, like to kind of, yeah, to kind of like finish it off Mm -hmm. in a sense. So some days I'm like, oh, I don't love this. (laughs) And then most Mm -hmm. of the time I'm like, I love them. My favorite one is the seashell because it was like really spontaneous and we were just like let's go get tattoos and we went to this like little tattoo shop in Hawaii and it's like I don't know it's my favorite like visually too maybe (sighs) but I don't know what I want (laughs) right more. (sighs)
1: Emily, since the day we met her, has said she's getting a tattoo, and I think (laughs) she is moving into (laughs) my camp where we just accept it's never going to happen. I know.
0: (laughs) I've been through these, like, I feel like I could pull them off, but a couple things. I'm also an indecisive person, so I worry that, like, I'm very, like, moody. Like, I would be really in love with the idea and then end up really regretting it or whatever and also i have a fear of needles that for me was like <laughs> when everyone was rebelling and like getting their tattoos i was like couldn't even fathom the like pre- the pressure of it and it has nothing to do with i know it's not painful i know it's like whatever i know i could get oh, through it, it is painful <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's not even it. I just, I have this phobia of, like, needles. Like, I would never go get acupuncture. That's my idea of, like, torture. You know, I wouldn't do that. (laughs) That's not a thing that I would do.
2: Okay, well, I have a few things to say. Number one, I don't think you'd regret if you got a little microphone with us. And even, (laughs) like, here's my thing. I don't think anybody would really, I mean, people do regret their tattoos. But to me, if I get, like, a spontaneous tattoo or a random tattoo that I didn't think through or something, it's, like, it's a memory of that, like, yeah. part of who you were at that time who was like yeah. spontaneous yeah. and getting but a I also random tattoo everyone's yeah everyone's different P- uh, yeah some people i'd rather t- like do.
1: look back on a bad haircut in yeah. photos <laughs> than have totally. a permanent I know. reminder i'm still I
0: like it. straddling both camps but at this point it's been years but the ideas were I, I have this thing that maybe i would get them on my fingers as like accessories because i like rings and i like the idea of them being like rings um, even though they're like, that's the other thing, cause I like the idea of them being like rings, but then they're so noticeable that if mm-hmm. it went South, I would have to look at them all the time. But the one thing I wanted to get was a light bulb on the inside of my index finger. It's so like, if you're having like a bright idea, it's like a light bulb. <laughs> that's really um, cute I've thought about that for years. And then in undergrad, I wanted like a phage tattoo cause I used to work and they look like look like spiders i'm glad i didn't get that one because i would have a spider-like creature on me what's a phage uh a bacteriophage is like a virus that infects bacteria and they look like weird little space like ships they're very cool like scientific objects but i'm glad i didn't tattoo that on me and i was dead set on it in 2012 so (laughs) i'm just trying to think like how would i feel about the light bulb and the other thing that i was thinking about like I don't know if i want to get any sciencey things the microphone does sound appealing um or online i saw this like like disco ball and underneath it are like two dancing skeletons <laughs> i feel like <laughs> these are all
2: all me. over the map and i love that for you <laughs>
0: okay wait the sci- yeah to speak on the science
3: thing so the first like four that i really got after the pinky one were for like family like i already said and so the one on the back of my arm is a Pyramidal neuron, or something. It's from my brother's research. <laughs> I'm not a science person, obviously, but I was walking down the street going to Soju House one day. Okay. And this man at a stoplight was like, Is that a pyramidal neuron or whatever? He like knew what it was. And he was like, You must be like, Oh a God. neurologist or something, and I was like, "Actually, it's my brother." But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it was I just so, got this tattoo. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> fun. It was so cool, like that. Somebody recognized it in wow. the science community. Wow, that is cool. Because it really just looks like nothing, kind of, or it looks that's like a root funny. system or something. But yeah. it was very fun. Or I'm like
0: really connected at a as stoplight. part of my graduate degree, I studied antibodies, or and they have like a Y, so maybe I would get a tiny Y. <laughs> <And> that's <laughs> cute. That's because cool. they look like a know why but you know
1: what I remembered when you said yeah. about it being like jewelry my aunt who the one who passed away actually she had I think it was on her wrist but it was like I'm thinking their wrist or ankle but it was like a tattooed bracelet and it was like flowers and when I was little I remember thinking that was the coolest thing in the world that she just like tattooed a bracelet on and now I'm like why did she do that like <laughs> it really wasn't that cute like, that's like, What was she? Like Rihanna's like
3: hand and wrist tattoo that looks like
2: elaborate like chandelier jewelry yeah, yeah. Have you seen it yeah. yeah i like that on her though yeah yeah that her's the thing i was different. gonna tell you about the needles i really feel like if you're getting a traditional tattoo with a machine like tattoo gun it you it doesn't like physically look like a needle like you you're not really gonna realize it's a needle and even the feeling doesn't feel like a needle i know you would be psyching yourself up but it's the hand poked that like is visibly a needle mm-hmm.
3: but even Would though it's agree? so easy not to look at it
2: yeah yeah i do agree like yeah i don't even think about it as something that involves a needle and i don't know if that's because i had i got a lot of piercings at tattoo places mm-hmm. and those are like legit yeah. the needle is coming at you
0: well uh i didn't get piercings until i was like 21 i only have two ear piercings it took a lot for me to overcome that wow did you feel
3: like you were gonna faint or something at that
0: um a little and I went to
1: like Claire's <laughs> oh that's bad don't, yeah PSA don't go to Claire's for, I got my second piercing. hole you know like um I don't know if they still do it the Brooklyn Artisan Fleas yeah but it was in Soho and it was me and my sister and our little cousin she was like 13 at the time she was in the city for the day with us and they had a pop-up where you could get like flash tattoos or they were doing ear piercings and at the time I was like my therapist was telling me I need to work on being more spontaneous so my sister spontaneously chose a random tattoo from a book and got that mm. tattoo and my big thing was I finally got my second hole cuz I only wow. I was like I'm only ever going to have one like one piercing in my ear and I got my second. Well, my sister is getting a random more spontaneous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I want to be that
0: girl that has like the cute tattoos but I'm working against working against the odds here <laughs> <laughs> working against my own personality to be honest
2: we'll convince you <laughs> i've made it my mission okay.
0: i
3: like i feel like they so quickly mine at least have just become like part of yeah. like i don't really think about them mm. unless i'm around my parents who
2: i know hate tattoos and judge mm. all it's them. so silly because it's like if you get a tattoo, it's not like you're a different person. It's just a mark right. on your skin. I feel mm-hmm. like it's
1: an, that's like an old school like thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: but now I feel like everyone has that. Yeah. Except for because you guys. Because of my phobia, <laughs> I don't want
1: it to be
0: like associate. If I have like a phobic meltdown, I don't want it to be associated with that memory. I don't want to look down at my hand and be like, oh, that was the time I threw up and like pass out. <laughs> I think after would ten back, minutes, of I think you'd
2: look back at it and laugh if that <laughs> happened. I think you'd yeah. be like, "LOL, yeah. what a fun time. What a <laughs> time!" But you got the
3: tattoo in the end. <laughs> we should. Do, we were on our retreat last year, driving around looking for this mysterious tattoo shop that was came recommended, right? Yeah.
2: We asked somebody in a shop.
3: Yeah, and they gave us this address that seemed to not be. It real, was like a house a place, or it was like a house or something. Mm-hmm. But maybe so I was gonna get it that day.
2: But me too. And Emily would have. 2BD.
1: I would have gone with. Yeah. <laughs> I am curious if we were all in the shop and you guys were getting them. I think Emily. Would.
3: I feel like I feel you, like like you like would like lurk around and then you'd be yeah. like, okay, <laughs> we'd Maybe be like that. ready to leave and you'd be like,
0: sure, I'll do it. <laughs> I know. Well, for me, it's like I'm a tattoo virgin. So it's like the group tattoo. Do you want that to be your first one?
2: That's a good one to be the first one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: See, I'm so indecisive.
2: It's okay. It's okay. There is no
0: right answer.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. One thing is is like I always think to myself, do I want to get like a book related tattoo of some kind? But a lot I feel like a lot of them are like very cheesy looking and i really don't want that so i cannot put my finger on like what i would get that's bookish
0: like the line i know one thing i don't think i'd ever go for a colored tattoo
2: yeah me neither it doesn't
0: seem to be my vibe Mm -hmm. and i like the look of like line drawings you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but again i thought those flower or remember when everyone was getting the feathers into the birds i thought that was majestic as hell and now (laughs) that is so (laughs) tacky (laughs) i just really (laughs) worry about my taste so majestic i mean that.
2: you're not gonna get like a tribal no so. oh, my oh my god no i
0: would not do that obviously but you know the feather into the birds i don't know if i know what that is I me look
1: i you would know. F- my cousin has it <laughs> yeah <laughs> my cousin when every ryan, girl got it that's a boy has it okay and boys that was <laughs> his first tattoo actually he my cousin ryan has so many tattoos like he's covered He has like half sleeve. He's working like he's always he won't like concentrate on one area of his body, but none of them match. And he'll start like new designs in new areas. And I want to be like, I wish I could have organized this better on (laughs) your body.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. If you're going to get a sleeve, a lot of times like you kind of have to like work with an artist and plan it out. And everyone asks me, oh, are you going to get a sleeve? Because I have two in the same location. I'm like, I don't know.
1: <laughs> you know whose color tattoos though, I think are cool? I think Ed Sheeran has the coolest sleeves. Like, they're very bright, and, like, they all work together so well.
2: Yeah. I haven't ever seen his, actually.
1: I like Zoe
3: Kravitz's tattoos. Just tons of, like, little mm. ones.
0: Yeah, I think if I ever went for it, it would be tons of little rather than, like, big
3: pieces. I think this okay. is the I ugliest. feel like it's never going to happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that Yeah, that's not great. Yeah. The, it's like the bass and the treble clef making a heart.
2: Yeah. Sorry to anyone who has that. Yeah. Maybe. I think we should not veer into the conversation yeah. of what, <laughs> of what we, we hate. think. Are
0: yeah. Obviously, they're extremely personal.
2: Yes. Yeah. I'm sure. I also want to get something related to Ginny, my cat. Oh, but I'm I don't definitely getting done. Don't know what. Part of me wants to get like her toe beans because they're Aww. very specific and like multicolored, but I also don't really want like a paw print tattoo Mm -hmm. so it's like
0: maybe you could do something cool with her like calico pattern
2: she's a tortie first of all okay (laughs) i'm thinking i might record her meowing and then get like the sound wave of her meow. oh that's cool because she never shuts up and that's the thing that's so like specific about her so i might do that that's cool would you put it on your arm yeah probably it wouldn't be big that Mm -hmm. would be too much
1: thanks for asking fish
2: (laughs) (laughs) should we talk about books
1: yeah yeah okay i'm going first i'm talking about the caretakers by amanda bestwar siegel okay i was hoodwinked bamboozled led astray (laughs) by this book whoa this was on my on my list of like i say most anticipated really just means i actually one day sat down and looked up books that were coming out this year and decided these were ones i wanted to read so this is on that list and i went into it expecting a thriller but what actually um what it actually ends up being is a really fascinating character study slash there is a mystery involved about the lives of wealthy parisian families and the Americano pairs who work for them so this is going to be absolutely impossible to talk about sorry in advance and it's probably going to be short but right away when the book opens you find out that a little boy from this very wealthy family has died and he's kind of being like the emts are leaving the house the mom's outside screaming and then the american au pair is let out in handcuffs Whoa! so then basically the book is split up into huge chapter it says chapters but i would really consider it it's split up into a bunch of different parts and each part is from the perspective of a different woman who's involved like in this community and the perspectives never repeat. So I'm just going to like run down who like the women are. So one of them is Darla Dean and she is, uh, she teaches French to the American au pairs and she really takes the students in. Like at one point, a few of them are staying with her and you learn a lot about like her backstory and her family and why like what motivates her to really take care of these students then there's lou who is the au pair for the family that live next door to the ones who had their child die and she's kind of a rebel she doesn't really take being an au pair seriously and there's all these hints of issues with her family that like you really like you get a lot into then there's charlotte who is the mother of the child that died and she is was one of the most interesting and like complex characters and she like had two kids from a previous marriage and then she married this really wealthy guy and it's kind of everyone kind of knows she just married him for the money and he only married her because she was beautiful and they have a child together who ends up being the one that dies so there was just so much going on with her that i found really interesting then there's nathalie who's charlotte's daughter who's trying she's a teenager and she's trying to find herself and navigate this new society because she wasn't born into this world there's holly who's an american au pair who I felt like she was kind of the stereotype for an au pair who's like, I'm going to go to France for the year and have the best time of my life. And people, you can say you're going to have the best time of your life, but like you can't control that really. So like she's like facing realities of maybe her experience or not living up to what she thought it was going to be. And then finally there's Alina, who is the au pair that was accused of murder. And hers was my favorite. Her mom, she moved to America from... I can't remember the country, but she was like she escaped communism and moved to America and she was pregnant with Alina. And you learn a lot about like the hardships they face as immigrants in America and then what led up to Alina going to France and then the child's death. And like all of the perspectives span so much time. You learn so much about their backstories, what's happening in like the days leading up to the child dying, obviously like things that happen after because you find out what happens things overlap and it would be so cool when you're like reading about like in like the third part you're reading about events you already read about from how someone else experienced it so like you're seeing them do these things and you actually already know like their motives behind it which I thought was really cool but something that I like really struck me did you guys live here in 2015 in New York yeah
2: in the summer okay
1: so I was in college at the time and like during that time in New York, ISIS was always making threats like about the subways and it was like we were really living like in terror, like a bomb went off at my college campus. Like it was like we were just scared always of a terrorist attack. And this book takes place in twenty sixteen in France and it she the author did such a great job of writing about a city kind of struck by terror because oh sorry, the book takes place in twenty fifteen and that's when they like all these horrific terrorist attacks were happening in France and actually in the book they talk about like the girls were nearby when that shooting happened at the concert in oh, Paris yeah. and like their experience of being nearby and like how scary it was and so I guess that is a content warning for this book and it's something like I forgot kind of that we were like always living in the grip of fear and I don't know I was like in college so if it was like we we're being more dramatic about it I don't know but it was like a scary time to be living in a major city when these attacks were happening everywhere and I thought she did such a good job of writing about how something happens but you have to move on and live your life and you kind of have this like you're going about your day with the idea that it's inevitable there's going to be an attack and it's a matter of where and hopefully like I won't be there and no one I know will be there and these American these young American girls are living in France and all these things are happening in Europe and their families freaking out and trying to get in contact with them and it's not a major plot point it's just something that happens like throughout the book that I just I thought she did a really great job of pulling that off so not to end on like not a sad note it was also really cool to read a book set in Paris in modern times because I always read historical fiction set in Paris I rarely read any like contemporary so um that was fun and then obviously they like mentioned places where we went when Becky and I just went to Paris which was cool and yeah I really can't say much more about what actually happens in the book but I thought it was just a really interesting look into people's lives and it's obviously fiction but I'm a super nosy person so I love to get that like in their homes in their heads find out what's going on and the author was an American au pair in France so I'm curious how much of what happens in this book are things that she experienced mm. I gave it four stars and that was The Caretakers by Amanda Bestor siegel so you were like hoodwinked in a good way or in an okay way so I went in thinking it was going to be a thriller and then like I wasn't as obsessed with it in the beginning because I had that moment of realizing I was reading something different than what I thought it was going to be like the back Mm -hmm. of the book when you read it you think it's going to be a thriller but it it's not at all which doesn't like it's a great book I really enjoyed it it's just that case of marketing not at like you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. having a preconceived idea i that doesn't line up
2: but yeah it was really good and the cover's really cute becky okay so i read the magnificent lives of marjorie post by allison pataki and i know kayla also read this um
1: hang on this author have you spoken about her i've mentioned her because her dad was the governor of new york when i was growing up oh Oh, yeah Mm. one of the few republican governors of new york fun fact
2: this book came out in february of 2022 content warnings divorce suicide death of parents miscarriage these aren't like what the book is about per se but it's something to keep in mind because they come up um okay so this is biographical fiction about marjorie merriweather post who i think should be way more well known because she literally changed all of our lives and i'll get into why so the book opens with her as a young girl in texas and her dad cw post is super ill so they pack up all the things all of their things and all of their money and they go to battle creek michigan where the famous dr kellogg has a facility there uh-uh. where he treats patients so i've heard that name just and you've also heard of the post name in the same yeah. genre which I'll get to. So
1: I didn't. <laughs> I had to Google that part. And on all
0: I
2: learned about Dr. Kellogg,
0: well, I'm gonna say came from drunk history. There's an excellent episode on. Oh,
2: here. interesting. <laughs> well, like this is really quite interesting. character. Let me get to it. But um, <laughs> basically, they go to the Kellogg like. I want to say compound but that's not the right word Like asylum but that's not it either
1: It reminded me of like
2: a sanatorium Sanatorium that's it because they would yeah. ask Are, they would you outside. The Are you going to the sand Yes it's like that So he Basically Dr. Kellogg would just Like it seemed like starve These people and make them yeah. eat like Only li- like liquid things And it was just like weird And obviously CW Post is not getting any better And so he starts like eating the food that the host family that they're living with cooks for them. And it's like healthy, hearty, like good Midwest food and like fresh food. And also weird. And like they attribute all of his like he gets better, like 100 percent. And they attribute this to the healthy food. But weirdly, also they attribute this to like becoming christian scientists Mm. and that plot point definitely got lost in the book Um, but it, it was a big thing for them but anyway i'm like getting off track so he recovers and the post family at this point they're completely broke um and they're trying to figure out what to do next and cw this is marjorie's dad gets this idea to create a way for mothers to not have to spend so much time in the kitchen in the mornings making breakfast so he literally invents cereal yeah and he also invents, in the cereal he invents is Grape Nuts. Oh, Post. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. um he creates Postum, which is like this terribly disgusting sounding coffee alternative.
1: Like caffeine free.
2: Yeah. And it's not even made of coffee beans. What's like, the point? I don't know. It reminded
1: me of what they were drinking in World War II. Like when you read those historical fictions, they're like, we were, we didn't have coffee so we were making it probably a big thing like that. Yeah. And he like bottled it up and sold it.
2: Yeah. So the family stays in Battle Creek and they build up the cereal empire that Marjorie has like a really big hand in helping to build because her father would have her like in the warehouse, like testing out ingredients and like just helping alongside him. And at this point, the posts are becoming like household names and their wealth is like crazy. So Marjorie gets sent away to this boarding school in Washington, D.C., and this is where the book really takes off like that whole beginning part where i'm talking about like him at the kellogg place it's like tiny bit of the book because the rest of it is just like all of these like crazy lives that marjorie lived the rest of the book spans her life she's finishing high school she's getting married four times over (laughs) she builds these amazingly glamorous homes in new york uh, Connecticut, Washington D.C., upstate New York, and Palm Beach. And this part I like did not realize she built Mar-a-Lago, and I did not oh, realize it was her house. Like she had this thing built, like, like so crazy the amount of money she spent on it for the time and for now times. Throughout the book, they mention her going to Mar-a-Lago, and like, I was getting mad. I was like, how dare Donald Trump like commandeer this place and. Like make it his like disgusting like whatever. The
1: craziest part is that she. Sorry, I don't know if you're. Gonna you're say about this. to tell
2: tell my. Okay, you can do it. I knew this was gonna happen every time I talk about I it, about Kayla. i not it.
1: to, but it's so interesting.
2: Yeah, so I heard
1: your notes before.
2: <laughs> I was getting mad because I was like he's putting a stain on this like legacy that she created but then honestly this is kind of in the end of the book but it's i don't think it's a spoiler um especially because kayla was about to say it (laughs) it's Um, not because the
1: author is saying in all of her interviews uh
2: well at at the near the end of her life marjorie tries to give mar-a-lago to the government to use as quote a winter white house (laughs) So she got her way in the end. I'm not sure whether or not she would have been pleased with who was in said Winter White House. Um, and the U.S. government does not own it. Donald Trump does own it. But she wanted the U.S. government to. And the government said no because it would cost too much to up <laughs> upkeep it. It has like 90 something rooms. It's like It was crazy. Her, just her house? One Now of, it's
1: like a resort, right? And yeah, he has think, like a home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing was her house. Yeah. Oh, what? She Weird. had
2: Excess upon excess upon excess. So some other things about her life that was absolutely fascinating that you learn in this book. She had the post company by this other company called this like very small operation called Bird's Eye Frozen Foods. And I know them. yeah. Pete. So at the time frozen food had had never been brought to consumers before. And her husband at the time was like the, the like chair of the company because she technically couldn't run it because she was a woman and um so the husband had to do it and he was like marjorie the american consumers they don't want to have to buy a like a cooler to store the frozen food and then they don't want to have to like deal with defrosting like nobody wants this the grocers don't want to have to buy a cooler to sell the frozen food like nobody wants this and she insisted and basically went behind his back bought this bird's eye company and look at us now (laughs) <laughs> can you believe these? that <laughs> look at us blowing the, that's blowing. all i buy
1: from trader joe's is frozen food. yeah right <sighs> uh but that was also before
0: microwaves so yeah i could it see was. both sides oh. of that but he was like people, people don't want
2: fridges have in their homes oh. no not at that time Oh, that's what I was so wild there's
1: like even cereal like you never thought about who created cereal and like things that we eat every day i was reading this on my lunch break at work and i'd go back to my desk and be like guys i just learned the backstory of like frozen food <laughs> And we're all like whoa sorry
0: post that has nothing to do with like the washington post Does it? No, no 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 okay no post is a
3: brand
2: yeah there you can go to the grocery store now it's now general foods Uh and it changed to general foods actually it's not even general foods anymore it's under something else because i went on a wikipedia deep dive but like it was post and then general foods and now i think whoever owns general foods has the post brand as like one of them Uh so you you can go to the grocery store and you can get post i think it's honey nut yeah honey honey bunches of oats post honey bunches of oats
1: do people still No. Eat I don't there was one that I was like, oh, I used to eat that. What? uh also Honey one of the biggest colleges on Long Island, it's now LAU Post, but it used to be CW Post. So I was reading this book, I was like, I've never heard of any of them. And then the Dad's named CW Post. And I was like, Oh. They named a whole university on Long Island after hmm.
0: him. Hmm. Fascinating.
2: Oh, brand flakes. Chips Ahoy.
1: Oh, yeah. I was going to say...
2: Golden Crisp, Honeycomb... Golden Crisp. Pe- pebbles. Post Pebbles. Waffle Crisp and Grape Nuts are the main ones. Waffle Crisp. Bran Flakes. So, another fascinating thing about her, she was married at one point to the ambassador to Russia and spent time living in Moscow and she... Cr- collected this insane collection of these like priceless Russian art that the Russians just had in like a hut basically. And like one of the wives that she was friends with was like, oh, I'll show you like this like, I forget what they called it. It was basically a hut that they would go to. And she was like, you guys don't want this. It was literally like Fabergé eggs and like all of this stuff. And she like collected a ton of it and brought it home. And now you can go to her estate in Washington, D.C. and see all of that, which I'm going to to do when i'm there but on her way back to the u.s when she was finally leaving russia she like hated russia by the way in the book it seemed like she it was she left because of world war ii and she literally her boat went through literally combat like the rush or the german u-boats were like there she like sailed on by it's like what who i thought it was crazy (laughs) it's like what um I could go on and on with these facts. I think she was so interesting and she had like literally so much happened in her life. And I wrote in my notes that if she were now a now person, (laughs) like she would have been a really great real housewife because she (laughs) like had so much drama. Like I think she would have been so good on one of those shows, but okay, I'll end with this. And this was the most interesting thing that I kept thinking about while I was reading this book. And that's the fact that she was born in 1887 and in the beginning of the book, she was literally riding in like a stagecoach with horses and she was wearing like a corset. She, her teen years were like during the Gilded Age. She was alive for World War I, the 1918 flu, the Roaring Twenties, the Great Depression, World War II. And then she didn't die until 1973. So that means <laughs> she, as a teenager, was wearing like full, skor- full skirts and had like a chaperone when she had to leave to like bell bottoms and like... Volkswagen bus like are you kidding That's crazy you sent me
1: that TikTok? it was Like this girl she was was, Oh man I just realized that the cast of the Gilded age would have lived through To like the 60s and she was talking about Everything you just said
2: oh no I did she was Like they
1: would have seen New York change so Much
2: yeah and that blows my Mind and just like it Just goes to show like I think we're Already shocked that like Gen Z doesn't know what a Floppy disk is (laughs) But like what else by the time We're like in our 80s is going to change that we're going to be like, going to seem so old fashioned to people. Yeah. I don't know. It's just that it, it gets me like in a spiral of like mind blowing, but we're going
0: to be like, I remember when the moon was uncharted territory. Yeah. And Elon <laughs> Musk did, didn't have Un- yeah, Musk maybe. core living up there. Whatever.
2: <laughs> but to summarize it all, this book is definitely about like the wealthiest woman of this time period. And she definitely did a lot of very excessive Things, but it was still really interesting to learn about her and learn about like the things that she contributed to like our everyday lives, like frozen food and cereal. And it's really interesting because at the beginning of this company of creating cereal and creating all of the like frozen food, the whole idea was to make it healthier. And somewhere along the way that <laughs> went out the window because one could argue cereal is probably the most unhealthy breakfast um but yeah I thought it was really good um I think it was four stars <laughs>
1: nice I just want to say I've read all of Alison Taki's books now except for one and this one wasn't my favorite just because there was so much to cover over so much time that sometimes I was like let's explore this a bit more or let's not you know what I mean yeah. but you know what's so interesting she has Well, what I love about her is that she writes about these really fascinating women that there aren't any other books. And I feel like it's cool to learn about them like that way. But she has two books about Empress Sissy of Austria. And this was a case where I was like, I feel like this could have been two books because there's so much packed in.
2: Mm -hmm. I agree. There were parts that were maybe too long. And then I think near the end, it felt like she almost was like told by her editor, "You have to stop writing." Mm -hmm. And then it felt a little rushed, because like you, it's basically like starting with her first husband, you get more, and then it gets less and less about them. And maybe that's because she spent less and less time with them. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it could have been a whole book
1: about her time in Russia.
2: Totally, totally, it was very interesting. Yeah,
3: what's that called? That sounds good.
2: That was the Magnificent Lives of Marjorie post i keep wanting to say her full ni- full name oh and also there's the meriwether post pavilion which is like a famous concert venue in maryland and i've always known that and that was the only thing anyway by <laughs> Alison pataki <laughs> um okay. emily what did you read
0: i read a short book so i'll give you a short <laughs> synopsis sorry about that <laughs> no 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 um i I, <laughs> I read a book called trust by Domenico Starnon, translated from italian by jimbo lahiri and i was saying on our live stream for those who tuned in or happy hour or whatever we're calling it um uh, that this is a book that i hadn't seen on the internet which is rare for me to like pick up so i was just wandering the strand um i wanted a translated book and the premise sounded interesting it's a short novel is like under 200 pages and it was published by Europa which are the people who published the my brilliant friend books and the tone is kind of like similar um so the premise is basically um there is this teacher so it's it's three parts the first part is from this man's perspective you don't really learn his name until more than halfway into his part Um, but we know that he's a high school teacher in Rome and he is passionate about pedagogy and teaching the students and instruction and um, he wants to like reach his students and like change their lives you know like give them a good school experience and there's he has this one student who like is disruptive in class like she doesn't really go along with his thinking and then basically she graduates and then they start dating um and her name is Teresa and she's a tour de force she's just like an independent thinker and the two of them and he's like young when he's a teacher so he's like 24 25 um but they're still like an age gap and we learn that they start dating and they have a very like passionate chaotic turbulent romance where they're like fighting crying like taylor swift type lyrics <laughs> um throwing things screaming and fighting and kissing in the rain i don't know about kissing in the rain but they were definitely um <laughs>
3: screaming and fighting yes <sighs>
1: screaming i'm calling
0: your name <laughs> yeah probably that and um and so they're doing that and one day teresa's like i feel like we need to build intimacy so i'll tell you something i've never told anyone before and you should tell me a secret that you've never told anyone before so um they do and the next thing you know, two days later, they broke up and they like part ways. And you're like, what happened here? And so then does the reader find out the secrets. Uh, you'll have to read and find out. <laughs> but um, I don't know like how like scandalous they are. Right. Um. So <laughs> so then you follow his perspective as time moves forward. He immediately like meets this other woman who is like Teresa's polar opposite and he marries her and then he like it just follows his life and career as he's moving away from that relationship but for whatever reason and in his mind it's like through the information she knows about him he's always thinking about Teresa so she like moves to the U.S. she becomes a scientist and then they still like kind of remain in contact he starts to become recognized in Rome as like a critic of the Italian school system and how like it teaches rote memorization and it like doesn't improve your life and he starts to criticize it he's getting like international or national attention he's like moving up his career and at every step he's worried that she'll like this woman could expose him basically until he becomes old and then in the second part you get um his daughter emma's perspective very briefly as he is old and starting to win an award And then at the very end, you finally get Teresa's perspective. So Hmm. it was the tone was very interesting because you're always like worried about what they told each other because he's so paranoid in his inner monologue about what she could say about him. He really feels like it could like ruin his life. And I was like, what did they say? So they don't tell you? No, you'll have to read and find out. Um. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I was like, there's this level of like psychological. I was, I was trying to look up the um information, like a quick synopsis online, and it's branded as a psychological fiction. So I don't know what that means, but mm. um, it it's one of those books that feels like a play, which I like. You know, like it, it's just like character based, and it's definitely something you would like if you're an academic. I feel like there's a lot of conversation around like the impact a teacher can have on a student and mentorship and feeling like you're not enough to be an instructor. Like you're never enough to achieve the level of success, like this imposter syndrome that he struggles with. And I saw, or I read her afterward at the end and she points out that like the, the story is really about how the information she knows about him or the fact that she's like an outspoken person really flips the traditional dynamic of student teacher like she's she scares him because she's opinionated and he can't instruct her like he he can't give her the information you know she has her own thought process and I think that freaks him out and um you know I, th- I found like in some of the Italian things that I've read I don't want to generalize but I think there's a machismo culture of like you know like the man can do this but the woman cannot and that comes up in his wife's perspective. So I feel like even though we got a lot of his internal monologue, the women that were at the periphery were really interesting because his wife was like a talented mathematician who had to put her career aside. And he, you're only getting his side of things. So he's like, I don't know why she's all mad that she has to take care of the children. Meanwhile, you know what happened mm. in her own career. So like it was pretty interesting and I did enjoy it. Um, It didn't like quite stick the landing for me Because that book is play feeling Like sometimes you have those open-ended plays Where you're just like reflecting And not a lot happens That's kind of this book But um, I was also saying like I didn't know that Jhumpa Lahiri did translations from Italian Like she's a writer in her own right Um, And I was It's like uncovered this whole other thing I I had no idea she did that Yeah I didn't know Um, that either So so, yeah, it was it was um, an interesting thought experiment, this book. And apparently he's read or wrote other, like, novellas that are kind of in conversation. So, maybe mm. someday. And they all have, like, T words. And um, at the end, she, like, talked about her translation process and how you choose, like, titles. Because even the title, choosing the word trust, I guess in Italian it was, like, confidencia, which is... Co- the cognate would be like confidence like a secret you know but you can't mm-hmm. like say that so she had to choose a word that was close enough where the english reader oh, would be like this is giving you so she explained why she called it trust because it's like in a relationship there's an intimacy where you trust the other person with your information so i think translations are cool i'm getting into them <laughs> so yeah uh i give it four stars. Those Trust by Domenico Starnun. Uh Libby, what'd you read? Okay. I read kind of a long book, so sorry in advance.
3: The Knicks by Nathan. Oh, oh yeah. I was
0: wondering if you talk about this.
3: Yeah, it came out in 2016
1: and I actually. You mean really you didn't it. listen when you were when you were gone? <laughs> I'm kidding. Express. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> 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 um,
3: uh Yeah, it came out in 2016. So a while back. Oh my I don't God.
1: know crazy that was like six years ago
3: I know doesn't it feel yesterday well I was gonna say eight years six yeah there's um, that thing about time flying mm, and
2: wow so much has changed sorry <laughs> <laughs>
3: we've been here for too long okay I loved this book this is the type of story with like sprawling cast of characters across time and place and that's like a favorite type of book of mine I just like really love when an author can pull that off So the next starts with a description of our main character, Samuel, uh, and the actual description is Samuel's mother um, very gradually packing up her things over the course of many months until one day she just up and leaves the family, uh, abandoning Samuel with his father in suburbia outside of Chicago. Shout out Chicago. With no explanation. So this happens in the late 80s and Samuel's like 14-ish years old. Okay, so then flash forward and we meet Samuel in present day, which is 2011 in this book. He's an English professor and he feels very like stuck and in a rut and he's depressed. And we also learn that he hasn't had any contact with his mother since she left like more than 20 years earlier. But then this news clip starts going viral and ignites the whole country in this very politically charged debate and the video is of this woman throwing rocks at a very conservative governor of wyoming and presidential hopeful and samuel is forcibly reintroduced to his mother who's the lady throwing the rocks (sighs) at the conservative governor so this kind of it it was also fun because it like took me back to 2011 twitter when like Thing like
1: Such things a specific went, place to be, yeah.
3: <laughs> things went viral like in a different way back then, so it was kind of fun. So this kind of kicks off the present day, like 2011 action, because just after Samuel learns about this incident, he hears from his publisher who has been waiting on a manuscript from Samuel for the past ten years. So the publisher like finally come to collect that manuscript and Samuel either has to pay his advance back which is impossible because he bought a house or the publisher is going to be suing him like for everything he has and Samuel's kind of backed into a corner and he's like feeling stuck and not sure what to do and then he has this brilliant idea and he says to his publisher what if I told you I can deliver a tell-all about the Packer attacker which is this woman who threw rocks at. The governor's name is Packer. The publisher's interest is peaked, and this is how Samuel reestablishes contact with his mother for the first time since he was a 14-year-old child. So without spending a million years talking about this book, I will also say that we get flashbacks both to 1988, just before and after Faye abandons her family, and kind of what that was like for Samuel growing up before and after but also as Samuel starts digging into his mother's past because he's like committed to writing this book to kind of take her down like as sort of like you abandoned me I don't owe you anything he realizes that there's a lot about his mother that he's been lied to about or that he just didn't know so as he's uncovering things and speaking with his mom for the first time we get flashbacks to 1968 which is this blank spot in Samuel's knowledge of his mother's life before she had him because during this time she left her small iowa river town shout out iowa Iowa. there's a lot of iowa in this book to attend college in chicago which this was 1968 so this wasn't really done at the time especially from like iowa mississippi like you don't go to the big city you know so this put faye in chicago during the protests around the 1968 democratic national convention and things and people from this time in faye's life are coming into play in her present day as she faces terrorism charges for her like assault on this governor so the packer attacker like moment they as it's gone viral news outlets have like found faye during the democratic national convention protesting and so samuel's in this weird position of like that's my mom but wait like what was she doing in chicago in 1968 like at these other riots like none of this is adding up whatever so he's learning a lot like about Mm. you know everything I don't know that's kind of the book I probably didn't make it even sound half as interesting I want to read that as it really is it's so good there's like a ton going on it's definitely long I think it's more than 600 pages it's chunky but I loved it so much um all the characters are pretty messy and just like huge messes, but it the book covers so much ground around each of the characters that they felt so real, and I loved all of them so much, especially Samuel and Faye both. It goes into kind of like inherited trauma, political idealism, principles and morals, and how all of this is sometimes like actually often at odds with political movements. So much about just like kind of, all of that and just idealism in politics I think and it's told through this really wonderfully interconnected story that comes together in a really satisfying way Uh, and it really drew me in and the stuff especially about the 1968 convention was so fascinating that was real and there's so much description as we're flashing back to Faye like in that political moment and how she kind of becomes wrapped up in this movement and it it was just fascinating and I was like spent a long time after like down a rabbit hole looking at like pictures and news coverage from that actual convention.
1: So Um, is he talking to his mom about the book too? She's, she knows it's happening. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. What a weird way to like get to know your mom. Yeah. He,
3: he sees her again for the first time in like 20 plus years and like there's a lawyer present. Oh my God. It's just like, yeah, yeah, it's, it deals with it's a they're a mess but in like Mm. a really good way to read about um did you say this what why is it called the Knicks so Faye it goes way into her past her dad emigrated from Norway I believe and it goes into some of the trauma that she may or may not have inherited from him but he told a lot of ghost stories growing up and, s- oh. and the Knicks is like a figure from a ghost story that he told his daughter that like permanently impacted her. Wow. wow. She, um, I didn't know that. I
2: thought it was her the life. Nixon administration. Yeah. <laughs> I was like oh I she's know, me too. politics maybe it's related to. Yeah. Well
3: and because the cover there's like an American flag black mm-hmm. and white photo too so I definitely thought that as well but no it's um, it goes back to her pretty intense harsh dad. Wow and yeah, a scary story but yeah it was so good i gave it four stars we
1: all had four star reads hey hey
3: would you look at that look at that um mm-hmm. yeah and that was the nicks by nathan hill and i don't know if he's written anything else but i would read whatever else he writes
1: i've seen this book everywhere obviously and i never knew what it was about oh. and i don't know i never picked it up to read what it was about yeah But I want to read this now
3: same I actually didn't really know much about what it was about going in either yeah if you read it I it's interesting we'll have to talk (laughs) there's some like I I guess the reason it wasn't a five-star read is I feel like it didn't need to be as long as it was and there's a lot uh, yeah and there's a storyline that feels completely unnecessary in Mm -hmm. hindsight that could have cut I mean not a ton out but it's just, it was an interesting choice, um, some of the, like,
0: t- directions they the took it, I think. The is precisely why. I got it, but <laughs> haven't picked it up yet. Yeah.
3: But I would say, I mean, it's really, like, easy to read. I don't, when people say, like, readable, it's like, what does that mean? But it is, mm. like, mm-hmm. a page-turner, and it's written in a really, I think, um, like, compulsive Well written way where yeah there's there's cliffhangers or like a big reveal and you're like holy shit I have to go into this flashback to see, you know what this means and that kind of thing. I love that. Yeah, very good.
1: Great. What happened at the 1968 convention? I need to Google or maybe I'll read the book first.
3: Yeah, it just turned into riots. Um, in Millennium Park. Yeah. All the hippies gathered Mm -hmm. in Millennium Park and like tear gas and oh my god. Yeah, it was like it was uh people died people Um, People were like trampled Mm -hmm. oh my
0: god
3: yeah and that is real so yeah again like learning history from historical (laughs) crazy (laughs) who would have thought (laughs) in a million years um (laughs) (laughs) does anyone want to know what is on my tbr yeah (laughs) wait but what was that book the Knicks by nathan hill okay (laughs) (laughs) what's on your tbr libby (laughs) um actually don't have anything do. <laughs> uh, you were un- really
2: wondering if anyone was gonna ask well anything. you always Nobody say wants- when
1: you don't know yet you'll like look around you as
3: if you're gonna just like read well, off the title. in my bag is my book i'm um, oh i know what i'll say uh on my tbr is the office of historical corrections by danielle evans which i may have actually already read but i it's short stories, so I don't know if I'll talk about it on the pod, but everyone should read it because it's incredible. So that's <laughs> on my TBR.
2: Interesting. <laughs>
3: Becky, what's on yours?
2: Uh, Breaking Time by Sasha Alsberg. Cool. Emily, what are you uh, going to read? Kayla? <laughs> <I forgot laughs> Did you
1: forget my game? I just forgot. No. <laughs> She's staring she for into my eyes. <laughs> 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 uh,
2: Kayla, what's <laughs> on your TBR? The
1: Diamond Eye by Kate <laughs>
2: Quinn. Nice.
1: I'm gonna finally read it.
2: Where I've, are you guys on the internet? On the Instagrams.
0: Yeah, I'm just on Instagram. Barely. Uh
1: at the Lazy Library.
2: I'm at Becky in the Bookshelves.
0: I'm at
3: Sleep Run Read Repeat.
1: Um, I'm at K What and you can find all of us at Books in the City Pod. Please make sure you're following, subscribed, whatever it is you have to do on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Leave us a rating and review, and head to the website booksinthecitypod.com for merch, fan club, fan club book club, all the books, everything.
0: Yep. thanks for listening.
1: Oh. Thank you, we love you. Hey.